Well, I have a traveling salesman joke for you all this morning to start out things. This traveling salesman goes into a town and he ends up at the local coffee shop and he says to the barista, when I was driving through town, I noticed numerous places where there was a bullseye with an arrow right in the middle of it. You almost have a good archer around here somewhere. And the barista said, no, not at all. He says, that's the village idiot. He goes around town just shooting arrows, and whenever one lands somewhere, he paints a target around it. <laughs> so, this is, this is often what we do as well. We, we don't aim at anything, but we paint a target around it as if it were intentional. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that all of his followers would have unity, and that out of that unity, all people would be drawn to him. Our scripture reading this morning is just a couple of verses. I will read a, a little bit longer scripture in a few minutes, but our, our scripture text this morning is from Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Consider the word of the Lord. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, teach all of us to be better neighbors to those around us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, Paul said there in that passage that we're all put wherever we're put for a reason. A reason so that we might find God and, and perhaps help others to find God. So wherever we live, it's not by accident. It's not because you like the floor plan or it's not because you thought they had a good school system in the neighborhood or any of a number of other reasons. It's because God has placed us where we are each and every one of us, for a specific purpose. Back in 2009, I'm gonna, I, I, I should say, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about neighboring. And uh, many of the comments that I will make are taken from a book called The Art of Neighboring by Jay Papik and Dave Runyon. And Jay and Dave were among a group of pastors back in 2009 who lived in the greater Denver area, some of the suburbs of Denver, and they got together at a ministerial alliance meeting or some other type of gathering of pastors and said, what can we do that would help our community? What would make our community a better place to live? And they went before the city council and the mayor and, and said, what can we do to make 
our city a better place to live. This is what the mayor said. I wrote it down since it's a quote and I didn't want to mess it up. So if I can manage to read it, all right, it'll be okay. When they asked what they could do, the mayor said, the majority of the issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we could just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. Wow, that's what the mayor said. Well, Jay, one of the pastors said he was really embarrassed because they had gone to this meeting and basically the mayor said that all the pastors should just get the people in their congregation to act like Christians. I mean, after all, that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to be good neighbors. I mean, ad nauseum, we say, love God and love your neighbor, right? But we still look around us in the greater world, and some would argue that things aren't so hot, right? So what's going on? What's wrong with this picture? In your bulletin today, you actually you have an insert that looks like this. It looks like the one that I wrote the mayor's quote on the back of. And if you want to, you might want to jot down a few notes, and you might not want to. And, that, and that's okay, too. But a, a few thoughts that came out of these meetings and some other research that they did about neighboring in general. People who know their neighbors and have a relationship with their neighbors in their neighborhood live longer. Did y'all know that? You live longer. Uh, which, which backs up something I heard in a TED talk a couple of years ago, that the, the people who live the longest whoever they are, across, across all sorts of demographics and all, are people who have close relationships with a lot of people. They're, they are not people that stick to themselves all the time. Another thing you get if you have a good, good neighborhood relationships is if something goes wrong, if there's a natural disaster, or if you just need help, right? There's, there's somebody right there. You're there available for somebody else. Somebody else is there available for you. Now, there was one thing. It was, the, it was the city manager of one of these towns who put this forward. This kind of disturbing, or was kind of disturbing to me, and I think it was to uh, Jay, and, Jay and Dave as well. The city manager said that as far as the police go, when a situation comes up in a neighborhood or any other government service, if they show up in a neighborhood, that they really, as far as neighboring goes, they can't tell any difference between the Christians and the non-Christians. So that kind of speaks volumes also. And then the, the last statistic that I'm going to give I thought was interesting in light of the fact that uh, what they had this demonstration in Chicago yesterday about gun violence, right? Uh, and, and which, of course, is certainly a, I would say, a, I would argue, a neighborhood issue, of, as, as, are, as are many, many things we can think of. of almost everything, in, in one way or another, is a neighborhood issue. In neighborhoods where people 
Know the names of their neighbors. Just know the names of their neighbors. Not even necessarily have a working social relationship with them. The crime rate is 60% lower. It's pretty astounding, huh? 60% lower. Jesus was the smartest person that ever walked on the face of the earth. Sometimes we take his advice. Sometimes we don't. But just consider what these folks have said, and I think all of you, I think all of you can fill in the blanks in different places of different events that have happened in your lives, <clears throat> excuse me, that have to do with neighboring or neighbors. And Jesus' command, it is part of, I mean, right? When asked what the greatest commandment is, Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. So it is a commandment. It is a commandment. The beauty of it is it's so simple. It's so simple. And it can do so very, very much. It's also so very, very powerful. As simple as it is, it is so, so very, very powerful. And you know what? Doesn't require any special training, doesn't require any special tools, doesn't require money. All it requires is a little bit, just a little bit, really, of intentionality and willingness to step out and do something. To say, as John Prine would say, hello in there, right, to somebody. That's all it takes. Now, Jesus had some very specific things to say about neighboring, which I said I was going to read a little bit longer passage. And, of course, I believe everybody, I believe even the non-Christians are familiar with this particular passage. We even have laws called Good Samaritan laws, right? Um, so for folks that have even, who have never stepped foot inside of a Christian church, they, they've, they've at least heard allusions to this story. It's found in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer, do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near to him. And he went to him, came near to him, and when he saw him, was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. That's pretty interesting. A couple of things I think are pretty interesting about this passage, about being a neighbor, which is what we're talking about. The lawyer, the Pharisee, he, this, doesn't, this doesn't mean a solicitor, an attorney. This means somebody who studied the law in the Bible. That's who was talking to Jesus. Verse 29 there says, he wanted to justify himself. Hmm. Sounds like a pretty good pastime, you know. I've taken part in it uh, uh, myself from time to time, and probably will again in the future. Right? So this guy wants to justify himself. What's he doing? He's looking for wiggle room. Is what he's doing. He's looking for a loophole. He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to love God and I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but uh, you know that's too nebulous, right?" That's too tough. Just tell me who my neighbor is. And then I'll just have to watch out for those people. See, he, he, like a lot of us, wanted to choose who his neighbor was. The truth of the matter is, we all have neighbors, whether we chose them or not. They're there, and we're where we are, where God has placed us. So this guy was looking for a loophole. And of course, we're all looking for loopholes too. We're, we're no different than, than he was. But notice, notice what Jesus does. He does a couple of things here. One is, when he describes the Samaritan, he uses no less than 10 action verbs that the Samaritan took. To be a neighbor requires intentionality. You have to be intentional about what you do. You have to act with a purpose. You have to do it. And the Samaritan did it. And then, and then Jesus didn't really define neighbor that succinctly like the lawyer wanted. He showed that the Samaritan had been a neighbor through his actions, through his actions. So question of being a neighbor, again, rests upon us. It rests upon the one doing the action. 
Now, does this mean does this mean we're not supposed to consider the people not in our town or in the rest of the world as neighbors? Of course not. Of course not. Those are neighbors too. But what do we do? What realistically, when the when the when the when the tire hits the pavement, what realistically do most of us do most of the time? We like the lawyer want to pick out our neighbors, right? Well, I think I'll help this person out. They look like a respectable person. Uh, they just, they're just, they're just uh, having a hard time, right? So I'll help them out. But, you know, I heard some people screaming over in that house a couple of houses down from me. And, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't get involved in that situation. There might be something going on there that I shouldn't care about. See, the point is, it's kind of it's like the village idiot, right? It's kind of like the village idiot. If we say we love everybody, a lot of times we end up loving nobody at all. We're just shooting the arrows around, and every once in a while, one of those arrows might stick, and we decide to paint a target around it and say, okay, we'll help these people out. We'll help these people out. It's hard to love somebody if you don't know their name. It's real hard to love somebody if you don't know their name. And surveys were done that uh, they're alluded to, and less than 50% of Christians can name the neighbors, not all around their neighborhood, just on either side of of where they live, where they live, on both sides of them. So if you've got that little piece of paper, I want us to go through a drill. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything else. And also, and also I'd like to point out, some of us don't live in traditional neighborhoods like the one here, you know, where the houses are all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same. Little boxes, little boxes. That song some of you may remember. I live in a neighborhood pretty much like, like this, though, except the people that live right across the street from me, right across the street from me is more or less two houses. They don't, they're not evened up like that. My simple point is, the point of this exercise, and what I want you all, all to think about is, regardless of what your neighborhood looks like, you may live out in the middle of, of 90 acres, for all I know. There are eight people that live closer to you than anybody else on the globe, regardless of your neighborhood. So I'm asking you to think about your eight closest neighbors. And what I want you to do is, you know, you can go through a mental exercise or you can pull out a pen and you can, and, and you can say, uh, let me see, I'll write down these people's names. Now, I, I, I cheated. I got a head start. I did this during the early service, so I really don't have to rewrite them. But uh, right across the street from me are Brian and Raina and their little girl, Autumn. They live there. And next door to them, we had some great neighbors, but they moved last month. Uh, they, actually, they actually moved into the house the very same week Rebecca and I got here. We were moving in while they were moving in. So we got to know each other right off the bat, because it's easy, it's easy to get to know somebody if, you, if, you're, if, if they're out in the yard when you're out in the yard, right? Which another uh, 
a side note, I guess, is if you're having trouble meeting your neighbors or knowing who your neighbors are, spend a little time outside. Spend a little time outside. It's, 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 a, it's a great help. Anyway, uh, Megan, Richard, and Elizabeth moved last month. So somebody new moved in just uh, two weeks ago to that house that they were in. But this was one of those mystery neighbors, one of those invisible neighbors. Y'all have invisible neighbors in your neighborhood? You know, sometimes you'll hear a garage door. And you might see a car go by, but you never see a person. Does anybody really live there? You know, sometimes at night you might see a light on, and then it'll go out, so you think, maybe that house is haunted, right? No, <laughs> nobody, thinks, nobody thinks that. They think, you know, well, somebody lives there, but if they, if they knocked on my front door, I wouldn't know what they looked like, right? Well, anyway, so last Friday, and I don't know, Friday's my day off, so last Friday I'm home, and I was, uh, I don't know, putting something in the trash or something as I walked out, and as I walked out uh, in, into my front yard, and the garage door went up. Yeah. The garage door's going up. So I said, okay, this is a great opportunity. So I walked over there, and this, this lady's in her car, fixing to pull out of her driveway, presumably to go to work, you know? And, uh, you know, you gotta, you, like, like, like I said, like, like the Samaritan, you have to be intentional. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to put in a little effort. So, sure enough, I've, I waved at her and, and kept walking up toward her car, and she got out of her car and introduced herself, you know, so that's nice. Her name's Tammy. I don't know much more about her yet at this point. Then on the other side of Brian and uh, Verena are Kat and John. They're good, they're, they're, they're good folks. We, we actually, uh, last Sunday, they invited us out to uh, a picnic with some friends of theirs, and so we went out there uh, last Sunday afternoon and uh, had a good had a good hot time with them be, 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 uh, before the rain, and then uh, then next door to that is Baron, and uh, you know uh, he's there, and then uh, across the street from Baron back down back down here that'd be that'd actually be uh, this house. We'll know if we sit this way. That'd be this house, and that's that's Jamie that lives there. And the house right next door to us is vacant right now. It's for sale. So whew, I got to buy on that one, you know, so I got a good one. The, the, the other side of us is Lewis and his brother, David. They, they, they live there, and uh, Lewis has lived in the neighborhood probably longer than any of the rest of us. He's lived there since the neighborhood was built, and uh, he's a real nice guy. And next to him are some relatively new people I haven't got to know real well, but uh, it's uh, Ivan and Erica. They live there, and next to them is a, a single lady. Her name's Jana. And, uh, Behind uh, David and Lewis is Herb, and next door to Herb, straight behind us, is uh, our Eugene, and I, I'm, I'm spacing out on Eugene's wife's name. And then uh, the, the opposite corner over there behind us is uh, Renee. Now, now, Rebecca and I, back in December, we had a Christmas party for the neighborhood. We had, I, I guess, probably about half of those people showed up. And you know we drank we drank tea and hot chocolate and ate some cookies and that sort of thing, and just got to know each other a little bit better. But I want to I want to tell y'all something, and this is really the point of of the whole deal when you think about it about being neighbors. Besides the fact that it's hard to love somebody if you don't know their name, 
Y'all, I, I, won't, I won't go into the details about Bob. I'd be glad to talk to any of y'all at, at, in length about it if you want to at some time, but a, a good number of you know who Bob is, and I apologize for those of you who don't. But anyway, back the first week of May, we had a neighborhood dinner, and we, just, we were just gonna meet out in the street and everybody bring whatever they wanted to bring, sort of potluck deal. And I knew Jamie, Jamie that lived down the corner, I knew Jamie worked for an attorney. Jamie was one of those people, when we first moved in, I think it took me three months to even see Jamie. It was, she, was, she was really an invisible, an invisible neighbor. And uh, she came to the dinner and we were talking Turns out she works for an attorney that specializes in geriatric patients and people that need all sorts of services. Well, she gave me a phone number. I call that person on Monday, another attorney that specializes in cases more like Bob's. Person told me a few things to do. And because of that, because of that, Bob is now in an assisted living center, right? And it's, and, it, and, it, and it's all taken care of, it's all being paid for, and Bob's doing a whole lot better. My point is, we don't know what we're failing to give others when we, when we just don't take the action to know our neighbors, to just get out there and know our neighbors. There's no end to the good that could be done the changes that could be made in our world. Like I said, Jesus was so smart. It's so simple, but it has the potential to make such a change in the world we live in. Such, such great, great, great potential. Now most of us aren't very good at a lot of things. Most of us are pretty good, or maybe very good, at a few things, a handful of things. But what I want us to think about is, shouldn't we be very good at what Jesus said mattered the most for all of us? Shouldn't that be something that we try to do well, what Jesus said matters the most? And consider, consider again the potential for the changes in our world if each and every one of us really did that. What reason did any of us have for not doing what Jesus told us to do?